What does forgive us our trespasses really mean? Find out today on the Faithful and True Podcast. Podcast. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host. I'm here today again with Dr. Greg Miller, our host. Greg, how are you today? I'm doing well. And as we promised last week, we're going to do part two of our conversation with Debbie Laser and Beth Miller, both from uh, Debbie is our director, of course, and uh, Beth is uh, the wife of Greg and one of our uh, one of our favorite counselors here at Faithful and True. We'd like to thank everyone who's been watching us on our YouTube channel, the Faithful and True channel. We invite you to uh, continue the process by subscribing to our channel and liking us. Uh, That helps us out a lot as we are trying to continue to promote and spread our message of hope to all those that are trying to heal from their challenges uh, with the... uh, with the subject of of sexual behavior. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about forgiveness. Yes. And if you were with us last week, you know that we began by talking specifically about what does forgiveness look like in a relationship where there's been betrayal. And we want to just continue that and look kind of at that principle of the relationship between ownership and forgiveness. And I made reference to the um, model prayer Um, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I don't think it's an accident that what's mentioned first is that need to look at ourselves and to own the way that we have hurt others before we look at how they've hurt us and what that looks like in relationship. So as we just kind of talk about ownership and begin at that place, how would you define ownership for someone who is listening? Well, I think very simply, ownership is just when you, when you acknowledge that you did or said something that hurt another person. And so it can be something very small, and it can be something very big. But ownership, again, it's the reverse of blaming someone else. Mm-hmm. And it starts with just acknowledging and speaking very directly, like, I, you know, I'm sorry that I said this to you. I think you took it the wrong way, or I'm sorry that I didn't follow through on something that I promised you I would do, or it starts getting as big as, you know, being unfaithful in the relationship like we talked about in our last podcast. I also would add that I think it's really important that when we're owning, we're not um, explaining it away. Mm -hmm. I, you know, if I say to you, I own that I was snarky, um, but it was because you, you know, uh, really crossed out and invalidated the ownership. So it, it's a standalone, right? Like, it's just out there, and it's vulnerable. I own that I did this, and I'm sorry. And I do think it is complicated because, um, you know, you were talking, Deb, about this idea of, of I'm sorry, I hurt you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we immediately go to, well, that wasn't my intent, And so we want to kind of put on the other person that it's their responsibility they were hurt because that's not what I intended. Mm -hmm. And so even just being able to be free to own our actions and allow the other person to have whatever reaction it is so that we're not blaming them for being hurt by something that we did. We just own that, yes, I did that. I do think it's complicated at times. I love in Harriet Lerner's book, Why Won't You Apologize?, 
she talks about this idea that it takes a solid sense of self to just own mm -hmm. and apologize. And I, I find that to be true. It is. It's vulnerable and is risky. And it does take our wise adult selves, as we talk about here in Faithful mm -hmm. and True, to do that. Mm -hmm. And when you say it's vulnerable, it is because when you share something like that, I mean, the response you get from an unsafe person might, might be damaging in and of itself. Well, you do that all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you right. know, so you want to apologize for the other hundred times you did that in the last month, you know, or... I mean, the yeah. response can be rather harsh and can be turned against you, which is, I think, why some people are reluctant to start owning more than they right. do, depending on how safe their relationship right. is. And this ownership piece is so central to emotional and spiritual health because, one, I cannot, I'm not, I can't take responsibility for something that I don't own. And it's that principle mm -hmm. I talk about, you know, stewardship begins with ownership. Right. So if I want to be a good steward of my life, I have to own my life. If I want to steward my choices, I have to own my choices. But there is this vulnerability that comes if I'm afraid I'm going to be attacked. Or maybe I don't like the way I see myself in that ownership and my fear is that other people will reject me. And so I, I love that idea. I've got, to, I've got to be in that strong sense of self right. even to begin that idea of ownership. Mm -hmm. You know, I think also, ideally, we will be in a place where we want to change what we did to mm -hmm. hurt someone. Right. So more than just saying the words of ownership or apology, it will ideally lead to changing something yes. in our life. You know, if we're, we're apologizing for screaming at our children, let's just say, um, and we have to do it again tomorrow because we screamed again, and then next week because we screamed again, um, in some ways, our words become worthless and cheap. Right. And so, you know, I think even biblically, we're encouraged not just to speak our truth, but to live our truth. And so ideally, this is leading us to become a better person. When we own and we change, we start putting in better character <coughs> qualities into the person we are. Well, and in our last podcast, we began kind of acknowledging that how we experience this ownership, forgiveness, peace growing up will impact how we perceive it now. So, you know, how, how would you encourage someone to kind of even explore what did ownership and forgiveness look like in my family when I was a child? Well, if I were to look at my own, I think, uh, as you said in the last podcast, we really didn't talk about, you know, specifically, you know, you need to say you're sorry to somebody for doing whatever, or uh, did we hear that a lot? It, it was a calm and safe and peaceful family, but we didn't talk about mm -hmm. those things. And um, I think the reverse of that can be where people in a family are asking for forgiveness all the time. I was working with a client recently, and I know she was saying that, um, you know, when she yelled at her children, she uh, immediately asked them to forgive her. Uh, and the truth is she continues to struggle with that reaction with her kids, you know, mm -hmm. that irritable reaction of raging with them. So... Um, Again, I, I sometimes wonder if asking someone when you've done something but it isn't changing, whether that's a good idea, right. you know, in terms of right. what you're teaching them. And yeah. what was your experience, Beth? Well, I, I like this thought that you're bringing to the table of there's a difference between ownership and asking for forgiveness. It almost feels like I'm putting someone on the spot, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. If, I, if I can own it and then immediately say, will you forgive me? I think there's goodness to just owning it, right? And, and then stop. And stopping. Yeah, right. I, so too. I um, 
I had an experience when I was growing up where um, I was actually traveling with another family. Um, I had, I, I was 15, I was, um, they were a family in our church, and I was riding with them for about an eight-hour car ride. And it was a husband and wife and two young children and me. And the wife said something kind of snarky to her husband. Um, and, you know, just let it hang out there for a little bit. And it got quiet in the car. Nobody said much. But then we kind of started trying to move around that. And about 20 minutes later, she just said in front of all of us, turned to her husband and said, hey, I need to own that that was really inappropriate, what I said to you. 10 miles ago, and I'm sorry. I was jaw dropped in the back seat because we didn't talk that openly in my home. It wasn't that there was lots of yelling or screaming, but that open ownership, hey, what I just said was hurtful, or hey, what I just did was insensitive or rude. That wasn't my experience, and the openness of that was so moving to me. You know, isn't it interesting that at our couples' workshops, we often survey them, don't we, at some point, and we ask them, in your growing up families, how many of you experienced much ownership and uh, from the adults? And it's almost 90, 95%, I would say, that say they never heard ownership from parents, which I, I just find amazing. We're talking about primarily Christian families that we're working with. And so, to your point, I don't think there's a lot of modeling and what it looks like to actually own. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a false belief that we have as adults that if I ask for forgiveness or own something for my children, I'm diminishing my power and my authority. Mm-hmm. And so I don't ever want to appear weak. I don't ever want to appear vulnerable. And again, the great reality is when I own and ask for forgiveness then actually I am being more powerful because I'm in my truth. Truth is always empowering, even difficult or painful truth. And so we have to begin to change our mindset. And when I'm talking to people about parenting, I often say, whatever you want your kids to do, model it. So if you want your children to forget or to apologize, you model apologizing. If you want your children to own something, you model ownership. And that's when you begin to make the shift But if it wasn't modeled for us, it really is like learning a brand new language that we have to speak in the context of our families. Yeah, Yeah, my client this week, when we were talking about ownership and how how to come back from a a real out-and-out argument she and her husband were having, I, I said, you know, is there anything you can think of at all that you could own? Because what we know is if either one of you can bring a piece of ownership Generally speaking, it, it will break that, that struggle that's going mm-hmm. on and it will soften the environment, make it safer. Bringing me, she goes, you know, that is such a foreign concept to me. I, mm. I don't even know what you're talking about. And she was honest about that. And a really faith-filled woman, love her to pieces, but, you know, she clearly really didn't know what we were talking about. Well, and I, I like that principle that ownership creates safety. Yeah. If, if I'm in a relationship, whether it's my kids, my spouse, friends, whatever it is, when I start owning stuff, or maybe they own something, immediately it is safer because we are now in the context of truth. Mm-hmm. We've gotten out of that blame, shame. And what may be true is for couples specifically, where there's this dynamic of, you know, one is typically the one who blames, one typically is the one who goes into shame. 
That blame, shame, dance keeps you out of that truth and ownership. And ownership is what gets us out of that dance. Even, like you said, the slightest thing, the smallest thing can begin to change that dynamic. One one thing is we're talking about this. I want to go back to something that we kind of slid in. This idea of asking someone to forgive you. I know in the early days of my recovery, I was specifically encouraged not to do that. That I was to own my stuff, to take responsibility for it. And I wasn't to come back and say, will you forgive me? And I, I like that idea of creating the space for the other person to get to decide that. Yes. And maybe you're working with someone who has a strong enough sense of self that would say, no, I'm not ready. But in most cases, out of some sort of obligation or the moment we say, yes, I will, but we're not quite ready. So how would you coach someone around this idea of asking to be forgiven in the moment? Well, I, I think it goes to what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, that you own, you apologize, and you leave it there. You know, if I, I don't think it's wrong to say something like, um, at some point, I hope you'll be able to forgive me. That is a desire, you know, uh, of, of your heart in that situation. That makes sense. But I do think that what you just said is absolutely true. I think to ask in the moment, especially when there's so many emotions and, you know, uh, hurt feelings or whatever, I think it puts someone on the spot. Mm -hmm. And out of obligation, that's usually where the answer comes. (laughs) (laughs) What she said. Maybe it was my upbringing too, and in my also my church upbringing. I mean, I was never encouraged to ask for forgiveness, so it's important to me. So I, I I never did anything wrong. So (laughs) that 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 that, that, I was one of those. One of those. Why why ask for forgiveness when you're such a perfect kid? (laughs) Well, and one for those of us who grew up in the church, we know the correct answer is yes, I will forgive you. You know, that, that's true. We know that forgiveness is a part of the dynamic of healthy functioning relationships. The, the problem is it's in that moment, and kind of like what we talked about on the previous podcast, it is a process, it is a journey, it comes out of a, an awareness and the truth, and in that space we can begin to move towards um, a, a journey of forgiveness rather than just in that moment on the spot, agreeing to something it's kind of like signing a contract without reading it first. You know, yeah. we need to see what we're signing up for. And yes, we are open to that process of forgiveness, but that doesn't mean I'm ready to forgive you in this moment. Well, I think one of the big reasons that sometimes we ask, will you forgive me, is less about forgiveness and more about fear of disconnection. Mm-hmm. And so I think we are driven by this energy to ask that in hopes that we can get the connection back because right. we don't know how to hold space for another person a lot of times to be angry or hurt. Mm-hmm. And um, it, you know, it tends to create uh, anxiety. That ex- absolutely. Yeah. an anxiety that we want to hustle for that um, quick connection again. And so even that's interesting. If we're one of those people that wants to quickly ask for forgiveness, maybe there's some work for us to do in living with the discomfort of having the perception that we may not connect again over this or that someone is going to be angry with us for a time or sad or disappointment and how how can we deal with that in a healthy Mm -hmm. way 
So there's always something we're learning when we slow down a process, isn't it? And don't make it black and white. So I I think at Faithful and True, we're all pretty much on the same page that forgiveness um, is is a a slower process than maybe many of us have been taught or Mm -hmm. want to make it because it's so much easier to make it black and white. We do this and we move on and we don't have to think about it or feel it. Um, And that's not really what we're encouraging people to work on. Um, Greg and I live in in Chicago in a condo, and we have uh, several other neighbors in our building. And several months ago, our downstairs neighbor slid a note under our door. It was right at the beginning of the um, High Holy Days. He's a very devout Jew, and it was right towards um, Rosh Hashanah beginning. And so this note said, in a couple of days, I just want to give you this awareness that you'll hear the shofar or the ram's horn. And I blow the horn to invite me to slow down and take 10 days to consider where have I wandered from God and where do I need to ask repentance? So on the Sunday afternoon when the horn blew, it was really beautiful, it was sacred. Um, at first I was inclined to just keep doing what I was doing, but it really, like we both just stopped and listened. And isn't that a beautiful, um, visual image of calling all of us to stop and consider, slow down, where have I trespassed, right, against someone? Well, and it's that invitation of reflection. It's that invitation to consider. And What's true is when we are busy, when we are just moving through life, um, we're not conscious of how we've hurt others. We can be awkward and stumbly. It's kind of like moving through the airport with a big suitcase and you're just banging people, but you don't know it because you keep plowing forward. And it, it that lack of self-awareness of how my choices, my actions, my reactions may have been hurtful for somebody else. Um, in, a, in a perfect world, we... We would live in this space where we move towards others and say, hey, I want to own how I've hurt you versus them needing to come to us and say, hey, this is how you've hurt me. But we don't live in that perfect world. And so when someone moves towards us to say, hey, this is something you did that hurts me, it's how we respond in that moment that talks about this ownership piece. It's that responsibility for how we've trespassed into somebody else's space. I just think, too, when we're working with women especially who have been very hurt and we're encouraging them at some point in their journey to begin looking at these things is is just a reminder this is not about um, identifying you as a bad person or being at fault for something else that's gone on, but an encouragement to grow in their own likeness of Christ and to become Mm -hmm. all that they can become because I think in that ownership place again, we're examining those places of ourselves that we want to try to change. And when we work on that change, I think that's when we begin to love ourselves more. Right. I don't think that was the right word. Ourselves. Yeah, We all knew what you meant. But we're we're encouraged to just examine ourselves more to become more of the person God created us to be. And in that place is a lot more peace and joy and, mm-hmm. and goodness and gentleness. And that's a place where we're trying to move to, I think. You know? yeah. Well, and we kind of talked about this in the last podcast, but over-ownership is just as chaotic as under-ownership. 
And so one of the images that I use in relationship is kind of like I have a box of stuff. The other person I'm in relationship has a box of stuff and we dump it on a table and then it gets all mixed up. And then what we try to do and what we need to do is whatever is ours, we take back off the table. And what becomes chaotic is if we try to take somebody else's that doesn't belong to mm-hmm. us or we leave stuff on the table that belongs to us, that creates chaos. And if we're in relationship with someone who doesn't do ownership well, what may happen is there's some stuff that's left on the table that creates chaos for us, but it doesn't serve the relationship for me to pull it off. Mm-hmm. I mean, just trying to live in that chaos of nobody's owning that and it's not mine. And so I'm not going to take responsibility for it. And it's probably the case that in those relationships, because there's generally balance when there's too much ownership from one person, there's not enough for right. the other person. Because the table gets clean. I mean, my guess <laughs> is the other person is pushing those things to you. Right. And you're confused in the beginning about, well, do they belong to me or not? He says they do. Maybe mm-hmm. they do. <laughs> and sorting that out with the help of other healthy people, I think, in your life as part of the process. Right. Especially working with couples where there's been addiction, um, one of the things that we talk to the men about is that you are completely responsible for your addiction and your behavior, that that is totally yours, that there is no responsibility that your wife has. It's the thing that you'll talk about at the women's workshop. Mm -hmm. You can't control it. You can't cure it. And you're not responsible for it. So just kind of be free from that. But like you said, if I have a husband that's telling me it's my fault, that may be, you know, confusing. But if the husband is fully owning the addiction then what is left on the table that they have each contributed to the coupleship, then we can begin to get clear about what is mine, what's not mine. Yeah. And you know what I'd love to add is actually this whole idea of ownership and whatever has nothing to do with addiction. Right. I mean, ideally, yeah. we're all working on this. That's right. Whether we have sex addiction in our relationship or not, or we have other kinds of addiction or coping, um, it's just a process of, in our spiritual life. Mm-hmm. To deal to deal with looking at what belongs to us from the table and, and to acknowledge it and hopefully change it. Right. Well, and self-righteousness is the alternative to ownership. Yeah. It's a spiritualized version. And the way that I define self-righteousness, it, it occurs when I have this laundry list of all the things I've not done versus looking at the things that I did do. And so it's that shift to say, I'm going to focus on the choices I've made. I'm going to take responsibility for my life versus trying to find my value and worth by reminding people how good I am because I didn't do these things. Mm -hmm. And that can be in the context of any relationship that we can struggle with that. Well, as I used to say to Mark, when Mark and I were doing the the podcast, we've reached that point in the podcast where, how would you like to wrap up this two podcast series on forgiveness? Is there a a closing thought that you'd like our listeners to to embrace? I, I love the idea of liminal space and it's this idea of where I enter into I'm I'm not where I was nor where I want to be just yet but in the liminal space is where the transformation happens and I think that's what forgiveness is that it changes us and if we're not really changed as we're forgiving or seeking you know to ask someone uh, we're you know owning what we've done if, if that doesn't really change us, it's probably not authentic. Hopefully we are being changed into becoming the emotionally and spiritually wise people that we are called to be. Are you going to ditto that again? <laughs> I <would> yeah. <laughs> okay. Say, well, I 
would just say maybe in you know just a couple of words, um, I like who I am more, and I feel more connected to God, and I feel more connected to my relationships. They're safer, they're gentler, we feel closer, and definitely the more ownership there is, the better all of that's working mm-hmm. in my life. So. And, and I would, my final comment would be, the image of forgiveness for me is releasing. That it's like this, this weight that I am carrying, this unforgiveness does weigh me down. Mm-hmm. And to have the capacity to forgive is able to release that weight. And it's not dependent upon the other person. That's the beauty of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is not dependent upon the other person. It's my willingness to surrender um, to this process. Mm-hmm. You've all done a great job of wrapping that up for us. You've been uh, listening to the Faithful and True podcast. Uh, we're so grateful that you joined us today. We hope that you're enjoying our new uh, efforts on YouTube with the Faithful and True channel. Again, We extend the invitation to subscribe to our channel and to like us. Uh, We appreciate that we have growing numbers and a growing audience out there that are so loyal. And for that, we are blessed. I'm very, very appreciative of that. We hope that uh, if you get the chance or if you have identified that you are a man that's struggling with these issues and you'd like uh, to reach out to Faithful and True, our three-day intensive Men of Valor workshop we offer every month. And Greg leads uh, like no other uh, in in that uh, in that effort, and uh, we would love to be able to help you in your healing journey as well. Until we join you next week, we'd like to thank you. We hope that this coming week for you is going to be a week that's just filled with many blessings and great vision.